Hey everyone. Since we started this show, we realized that we've changed from our original fun with using the rules to break the game. And the more we chat about D&D 5th edition rules with all of our guests, we've realized that we love using the rules to make our games actually better. Now, instead of seeing loopholes for exploits, we see opportunities for creative solutions to challenges. And when some people hear rules as written, it does conjure images of rules lawyers and a denial to the rule of cool. Our hope is that by sharing how to apply, adapt, and improve the rules, you can make your games more fun for players and for DMs alike. So, thanks for joining us. This is Tony. Hi, it's Bethany. Hey, Rachel here. Hey, this is Nick. Nick, where can people find you at? Well, I'm a member of our D&D Raw Discord, so you could always find me there and, and, and feel free to say hello. I'm also on Twitter at Nick J. Ducharme, last name spelled D-U-C-H-A-R-M as in Mickey Mouse, E. Awesome. Yep, you mentioned our Discord. Feel free to join us. We'll post a link in the description. You can also find us on all of your favorite podcatchers. You can follow us on Twitter as well, at Rules as Written. Email me at dm at dndraw.com. And if possible, please, we would love your support on Patreon. And you can find us at patreon.com slash dndraw. Today, we're going over unearthed arcana playtest material from Wizards of the Coast. We want to give a particular shout out because in our Orenthal campaign, four of our five party members used what was originally unearthed arcana material. That would be the Domain of the Grave Cleric, the Mystic, the Inquisitor Rogue, and the Way of the Kensei Monk. All right. So, Nick, uh, why don't you tell us a bit about any uh, creative projects that you're working on? Oh, well, for starters, I'm a regular player on D&D Raw. Woo! I played the Inquisitive Rogue Tour during the Orenthal Season 1 campaign, and I'm playing the Alchemist Artificer Leuven uh, for our current Season 2 campaign in the Rumble Squad group. Rumble Squad! Rumble Squad! Sorry, I was late. I haven't practiced saying Rumble Squad enough, but... We do that a lot. <laughs> <laughs> Both of the characters definitely have some relation to today's topic. In addition, I, I play regularly on Rachel's podcast, Epic Endings. I've also joined, uh, you know, a lot of the guest appearances that we at D&D Raw have done on other podcasts, like Nilbox Tavern, Tales from the Dark Dragon's Inn, and the Podcast of Foes event on Dungeon Delve. I've been thinking a lot about what's next, especially since I just hit age 27. I feel so old. Happy birthday! (laughs) Thank you. (laughs) Thank you. By the way, Nick, if you're old, then by definition, all of us are old. Oh, shush your mouth. We're all all older than Nick, so if Nick is old, there's no hope for any of us. (laughs) So in actuality, we're all really young. I'm just epic tier, okay? Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Like... You know, I'm happy with how my career and personal life have been going, uh, not to mention how D&D and being a podcast player have been such good outlets for flexing my creativity. Like, I know confidence can take time to cultivate, but I think I'm about ready to rearrange a couple of my priorities and start saying today instead of someday for additional projects. Uh, For instance, I've had RPG Maker sitting in my Steam library for like, what, two years now? Um, And I've I've got some ideas for some inclusive 8-bit style RPGs. Um, I think I also have an idea for a humorous post-apocalyptic workplace-themed card game. And my skill set could also be well-suited to just writing for tabletop RPGs. Going back to the topic of confidence building, I think the number one lesson that I've learned over and over and over again is to start small. <laughs> yes. What? No. Yeah, for sure. Joining in on someone else's projects, for instance, being a 
player on this podcast. You know, it, it's just it's such a good first step before attempting attempting to kick off something of my own. Um, so, I mean, if anyone out there is looking for a newbie to collaborate with on their next <laughs> tabletop RPG board game, card game, or video game, please feel free to reach out to me <laughs> at Nick J Ducharme on Twitter. <laughs> Don't worry, we'll post a link in the description for everybody. Why? Thank you. Or reach out to me through our D and D Raw Discord, and we'll yeah. start a conversation through there. <laughs> yeah, I think it's interesting that your your perspective is totally right about kind of like starting small and and building up and looking Mm -hmm. for opportunities because i know when we started this we were like let's just make a thing and put it on the internet and maybe someone besides our moms will listen to it (laughs) i think that's important for everyone to know too right like i mean you know we uh, there's so much amazing content out there and and watching Mm -hmm. it it, it's hard to remember that everyone starts from level one yeah that's Mm -hmm. true i don't know what level we're at now i haven't like you know crunched the stats but we have at least made it to level two (laughs) i I was about to say let's at least say level two because i don't want to think too highly and then realize oh no i'm not as powerful as i thought i was you don't think we uh we we got all the way to level three because that's you know where you really start unlocking that's where you can unlock Uh, your your archetype yeah i want my subclass (laughs) yeah subclass archetype (laughs) yeah yeah, I just hit level three personally. <laughs> there you go. <laughs> yeah. Nice, nice. So, what is Unearth Arcana material? And you know, I I know for those of us who have used it, it's like, oh, it's blah 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 blah. But I think also when it's just called UA and it like shows up in tweets and stuff, when you're new to D and D, you're like, what what is that? <laughs> what is UA? Yeah. So basically, Unearth Arcana, just for the definition, is playtest material published by Wizards of the Coast on their website, usually semi-monthly, that is free for everyone, and the material has not been refined through their complete development process. One of the things just to mention out there is where can you find Unearth Arcana material? It's always on the uh, Wizards of the Coast website, and I'm actually take a little bit of annoyance with their most recent comment release because they pushed back the Artificer revised. Well, yeah, because they, for a while, they're like, we release monthly. We're all like, yeah, and it would be on a Monday. We'd be like, yeah, we'd all know what to expect. But there's been some changes. Well, okay, they released monthly for a while. Then they were releasing, they gave a specific, like, what Monday per month, like the second Monday or something. And I think the past few months or something, they've, like, had to shift it a little bit. But with the Artificer, they got so many comments that hadn't been released yet, and they had to push it back to the end, like the last day of February, that they're like, well, we typically look to release Unearthed Arcana once a month. The series remains a valuable opportunity to publish playtest content and gather your feedback. That being said, we want to release Unearthed Arcana content only when it is ready to try. And uh, basically, this content will release on a more flexible schedule roughly once a month, and whatever day works best that month. And we'll let you know when the next installment's ready. Which basically means we'll release it whenever we feel like, I mean, okay? <laughs> a little bit of shade how needy D&D fans are like, but you promised. We were so excited. We harassed you on Twitter. Not, by the way, not we specifically. I mean, in general, D&D friends were like, at Wizards of the Coast, what up? Where am I under Tarahana? Yeah. So now they're like, don't at me. <laughs> Well, the problem was they didn't release any information, like, as people were asking, because, like, the day came and went, and then the next day came and went, and eventually, like, we'll release it at the end of the month sometime, that last week. We'll put links in the description for, like, the, the website that has all of the, the links. I will say their uh, Wizard of the Coast page, it's very hard to navigate, but the D&D wiki has a really good list of all the Unarched Arcana, including who worked on it, so, you know, who the authors are, so we'll have that in the description as well. That would actually be great because I, I didn't know there was a, a full list a, as a player where I could go as a one-stop shop to see everything that's out there. I, I just kind of Googled and hoped for the best. You're like, Google, yep. guide me. 
I never use the D&D wiki, I realize. Well, apparently, you've been missing out. So, yeah. yeah. I should use that more. Yeah, it gives you, you know, like what the name is, a link to it, the description, and and who the authors are, which vary from month to month, which designers are working on it. Or guest designers, too. Oh, neat. Very nice. Oh, everyone's like, oh. oh. Yeah, well, I, I just, didn't know that. I, I'm like, I never use the D&D wiki, I realize. Because they have D&D Beyond now. Well, it's especially helpful if you're looking for a class that's been revised, like the Artificer or the Mystic, where there's multiple versions. And if you go and search their website, can be a little confusing. Or Google, like, wait, hold on, which version am I looking at? Is yeah. version 1, 2, 1.5? Anyway, how can I use it? And is it official? It is not official material. It is playtest material. It is in draft form. And they said that it becomes official when they release it in a book. So... What exactly is the process? Like, like, is there a specific forum where, where people get feedback? To That's a great question. And the answer is no, there is not. There's no like, fill out a feedback form here on this page and let us know. It's more just send us lots of tweets. That's really how you interact with wizards. The okay. other option is they posted it for like the Artificer and the Mystic on the DMs Guild. And then <gasps> they said, true. please comment here. Mm. On the actual uh, page that you download the PDF on and all That's of that. That's true. I forgot about that. And let us know what you think. They did do that for uh, those two classes, at least. They probably have done it for more. I just haven't noticed it because I was really caring about the Mystic and the Artificer, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah, but I think in general, Twitter seems to be one of their key sources of feedback. And in general, I think for a lot of people who write D&D blogs, they do a lot of articles covering like the latest version of Different Hours Arcana and give feedback kind of like, hey, here's my breakdown and all that sort of thing. So there isn't one magical mechanism. I kind of feel like there should be like a mm-hmm. submit feedback button would be yeah. great. But that's like the technical communicator in me who wants yep. it to be like, can you give me a simple form? It makes <laughs> the most sense too, because then they could have like a drop down that's like, which class are you specifically referring yeah. to in which, you know, publish on Earth Arcana section. Right. Maybe give like I know a they've rating. done a couple rangers and they've done a couple. They've done a lot of rangers. Yeah, so it'd be like, okay, yes, I'm referring to ranger, but which ranger? <laughs> and also, just I, I think as an explanation of if there was something in Ar- Unearthed Arcana that you really loved, for instance, I think they came out with some some feats, both racial specific and weapon specific, but only some of that got incorporated into Xanathar's. True. Yeah. Yes. And we don't have any insight into the process for how they decide what gets published in a book. I assume it just means that it's met with their standards internally and they've gathered the feedback they need but yeah there is it's a bit opaque like we get unearthed arcana material and then eventually we might get a new <laughs> version or maybe it disappears forever or maybe it shows up in a book and we're very excited like the uh debate of the grave cleric yep yep there were a few classes that we wound up using the unearthed arcana material for our ornithal campaign like the domain of the grave cleric the way of the kensei monk and the inquisitive rogue that wound up becoming official material while we were still playing the Orenthal campaign. I mean, I think overall, we did do an episode where we talked about some of the changes. Yes. Just kind of like how to how to adapt to that or what specifically changed. But overall, I think I enjoy the opportunity to see things as they're working on them instead of having to wait for it to come all the way to a book. But I think your question about feedback is a good one, Nick, because I would love to see a way for them to like have a, a mechanism for gathering consistent feedback beyond people shouting on the internet. <laughs> but shouting is the best. Uh, okay, the internet is good at shouting. We all know it. <laughs> we all know it. Yeah, because otherwise, mm-hmm. I mean, we, we gather this and we play it, and most of our feedback is to each other. Yeah. Or like, uh, I know, Nick, like for you with the Artificer, like talking to Tony. So like, you know, you talk with your DM about how it's working for you, and it's more specific to your personal game. Yeah, there's no 
necessarily right or, or wrong answer for wh- whether or how or how much to take out of Unearthed Arcana as long as ever as you and your DM come to an agreement on it. Yeah. And, th- and that that's part of the coolness about it. Not, not to be totally negative on the Unearthed Arcana because it is cool. Oh, no. no. Unearthed Arcana is great. I think – sorry. We're griping about the process rather than about the product. <laughs> it is free. <laughs> they do give it to us for free. Honestly, like I, I love the Unearthed Arcana and I'm, I'm usually really excited to, to see what they've come out with. Uh, every once in a while I see one and I'm like, not for me. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. But for the most part, it's it's really cool to see a lot of the different stuff that they're – basically, you can tell we're thinking about doing something along these lines. Yeah. What do you think? Yeah. I like the classes especially. That tends to be what, oh, yeah. what I gravitate towards. I'm like, ooh, new, new class or new class feature. Interesting. Mm-hmm. But I originally thought Earth Arcana was primarily going to be a DM resource when I was starting, where I was like, okay, it's something for DMs to look at and see if it's a good fit for their players. But I think there's something to be said for players looking at it and being like, I like this. I'm vibing with it. I want to use yeah. it. I want to build something. I'm inspired, which I guess would be Rachel, like you and the, oh, I was going to say Spore Master. That's not right, but that does sound cool. <laughs> the Spore <laughs> Master. <laughs> Welcome the Spore Master. Spore master. <laughs> I do like definitely looking at them and going, ooh, this sounds like it would be fun to try, Um, especially when we've used them in like one shots and things. Um, So I did like the Circle of Spores Druid and I basically played her like Venom. Like (laughs) she was, she would talk to her little spores, she would interact with them because it's like a different flavor to the Druid who normally turns into the animal, whereas this kind of turned into you. So I don't know. That was fun. It was weird. Yeah. But like I don't know that I like it for a long running campaign, but it was definitely fun for one shot. <laughs> and, you know, just all, all these different mechanics coming out or classes or feats or, or what have you, it keeps it fresh too. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's really important, especially for those who play the game long term and and try out several different one shots or campaigns. Yeah, that's true. And I know also there's so many books now. It's a way for people to get access to additional material beyond the the base like player's handbook without having to purchase another book, which we tend to buy the books because Tony likes to study them. And I, I casually read them. (laughs) Yeah, I read them a lot. But I know it's also an investment. So it's it's a shame to for some people where it's sort of a prohibitive cost thing. So at least you could get some access to some new ideas that you can kind of infuse with your game. But yeah, I think it's, I, I enjoy them. I'm sorry, wizards for griping. I'm not mad about the- We're not Arcana. actually mad. I just, I just want consistency and process because I'm a process nerd, okay? <laughs> we love you, wizards. We do, it's true. So I think- when kind of talking about is it like official content, that's like saying like Adventures League and that sort of thing. Like, can you show up at a game store and play an Arcana class? And the answer is n- no, you can't. But I, I don't think that th- means that there's any downside to presenting it to your DM if you're a player in a game saying, I'm super psyched about being a Spore Master, because that's what we're calling it now. Spore Master. <laughs> 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 right. I'm on board with this. <laughs> and your DM says, okay, like, yes, so that sounds great. Or maybe with some tweaks, or I don't yep. know if that's a good fit for what I'm doing right now, but maybe we can integrate <laughs> it down the road. You yeah. sound scary. I'm a little afraid. I mean, to be fair, when I presented it to one of my students who's playing a druid, I was like, your options is a druid. You can be a spellcaster, you can be beast boy, or you can be venom. And he was like, ooh. I'm like, which one appeals to you most? He's like, ooh, beast boy, venom, beast boy, venom. I'm like, pick one, man. <laughs> you it's can't be you. both. You can't be both. <laughs> you can't be a venom beast boy. It's, it just yeah. doesn't work. So actually, Nick, I think the first Thunder Arcana you played was the Inquisitive Rogue for Tor back in Orenthal, right? 
It was. I, I actually had no idea what our unearthed arcana was uh, back then. So uh, going back to where you know you were talking, what's UA? What's that? <laughs> what, what, what is this? <laughs> is, is, is this a book? Do I need to go out and get a book? Well, uh, in older editions, there was an unearthed arcana book, which is why they're calling it this. It's like a callback. So it's sort of confusing. Mm-hmm. Okay. But yeah, so wait, how did you end up being the Inquisitive Rogue? I don't remember now. I remember I posted uh, a file to all of you guys after saying, you can use all official material plus these Unearthed Arcana classes. Okay, gotcha. The ones that you had reviewed and you're like, this is a good fit. Where I'm like, okay, this is definitely not uber broken. This is definitely (laughs) not dumb. This is definitely not a class built to be an evil character. And and then I just fell in love with the uh, Inquisitive Rogue because I saw it and it's like, uh, usually rogues are like these really, you know, shady type people. But this actually, I, c- I could see myself creating a, a lawful good detective out of this. This is really thematic. I'm going to I'm gonna make a voice for this and everything. And it just it spiraled from there. It, it inspired you actually to create your character concept rather than looking for the class to fit what you were building is what it sounds like. Yeah. And, and it, it was it was nice to, for the first time, have this was back when I was still fairly new to it. So I didn't have as many source books as I did now. I had the player's handbook and that was about it. So having somewhere else to look outside of that, which I'd already scoured over, at least in terms of the classes and the archetypes, something again, fresh like that. It just it was a big wow moment for me. It expanded my universe. Wow. Okay, that makes up for everything we said that was shady about wizards. So (laughs) Good job, wizards. You expanded universes. (laughs) I think for me, I've been looking for the mystic because I want to be a crazy telepath when I'm playing. Like I want to be like an Emma Frost. I want to be Emma Frost or Professor X. Like I want to hurt people's brains. Sorry, not me. My my character, just to clarify. (laughs) I as a person. So when they release the mystic, I'm like, yes, <laughs> mental powers that aren't, you know, just, you know, there's some manipulation of like memories and stuff like there's spells that were options, but it has someone who's purely a mental manipulation sort of class. I will say that the first mystic was super, super broken. What? So broken. So, no. Well, technically we didn't use <laughs> oh, the, very the very first, first that, version. That was only levels one through five or something. Yeah, right? we used version two, which was still super broken. Well, and Tony broken. did make changes to it. So he's yes. like, he's like, this is too much. We're gonna like refine this. <laughs> scale this down, down a, bit. a bit. These abilities are not available to you because I don't know why you'd be getting those so early. It's just, uh, it's too much. How can you blow up a person's head by staring at them? I just don't understand. It, it's a world full of magic and wonder. I think you could do anything you put your mind to, Tony. <laughs> it's like, wait, this one doesn't even say they have to make a save or anything. They just die. I don't- um, yeah, so for me, I think I was happy that they started releasing out Arthur Kata that fit the sort of thing I'd been wanting to do. And I know we'd all talked about, why does our party not have int? Because only wizards and a few rogues need it. So it was exciting to have another int-based class. <laughs> well, speaking of int-based classes. Uh-huh. So why'd you choose the artificer then, Nick? Oh, that that one's a little harder to explain. It's just I I, I think I've always enjoyed support roles, and I've now done you know two different uh, cleric builds, actually similar. Uh, they were both life clerics. One one for our um, podcast of foes episode, and then another for epic endings with Keldwin. So. I've really enjoyed that, but it was nice to see a new spin on that. I, I felt like the first Artificer for 5e um, on Unearthed Arcana just really had a, its own unique flavor, something I'd never seen before. And Tony, I, I know the, the philosophy, your philosophy, which has, I think, really helped me grow as a player, too, uh, about starting from who is this character as a person before getting into what they do and, and what kind of class they are is what was 
part of what made me go with that decision because looking at, I, I already had this concept of someone who's really enthusiastic and optimistic about the world and, and, and wants to experience everything. And so then suddenly we come across this artificer build and it, it, gets, it just gives me this vibe of a character who sees this world of Ostia and the changes it's going through uh, technologically and it just opening up, it feeling like a renaissance and that being such a, a font of inspiration for that for that character. So you're like, Artificer is a natural pairing to someone who's engaged in trying new things and, you know, kind of pushing the limits of what's available. So it makes sense that it's different from other classes. Exactly. Yeah, I think there's a lot to be said for that. And you're right, Tony's philosophy has been build me a person first. (laughs) Who is this person? (laughs) And then we'll talk classes. Now, I know some people immediately link the two as like, well, I have this idea of a person and they're this, like off the bat, ready to go. It's me, fine. I cheat. I cheat, Tony. Okay, I cheat. I'm like, yes, I have a concept that's integrated with the class. The idea is, you know who the character is. It's integrated with the class, but you already know the character, so yeah. that's why. Well, that, I know we all have different character building processes, but yeah, I think it's more important to build a person than a stat block. And I, I often do start from the stat block and, and make a concerted effort to fill it in with the person as well. So as a backup idea, I, I mean, I, I, I do have some things floating around that maybe started more from that side of things, but it, it was also fun to just try it a different way, you know? Start, start from a different building block. Yeah, and Rachel, I know you tend to be, it looks like you're more like inspired by the material, like, this seems cool. <laughs> like, yeah, I, I like tend it. to start with a little bit more with the class, and I'm like, okay, this could be fun. What kind of person would do that? Right. So I go with that kind of mentality. Yeah, I think there's different, like, you know, top down or bottom up approach to like character building. As long as you get to a point where you're like, I've built someone I want to play, and they're going to do cool stuff, you know, like, that's that's kind of where we're all going. Yeah, you don't want to just be like really, really focused on one aspect, like fighting, and then have nothing else going on because then you're like, oh, this is a role play scene. Yay. I'm going to be a rock. You can role play. <laughs> what I'm hearing is it's time to rag on Tony's Ranger again. <laughs> oh. <laughs> no. <laughs> hey, Adamant, how are you doing? I'm angry. I orcs killed my family. <laughs> yeah. Okay, cool, fun. Have you found any orcs recently? <laughs> In fairness, the, the, the other side of the spectrum is also possible, I'm sure, where you can be so focused on role playing and not care about the mechanics at all. And that would cause its own problems. Like, uh, I, I'm, I'm just, I'm just gonna crack jokes during, during my turn. And that's all I do. <laughs> Working with kids. I do see that a lot. Yeah. Rachel, I know you've, you've had some instances where you're the, with the kids, you're like, what are they doing? They're supposed to be fighting a monster. <laughs> yeah. And they're like, can I propose to the monster? And I'm like, no, it's a <laughs> elemental that is literally destroying you right now. He's like, but I have this silver ring. <sighs> Child, please. <laughs> but is but is it single? <laughs> yeah, and I'm like, Hey, sup. You hot there, Elemental. <laughs> How you doing? Um, it was a raging blizzard, so no. not not even hot, Tony. You're cold. super cool. Give me the cold shoulder. I see how you're doing. Uh-huh. <laughs> as weird I was ready for both. Yeah. Okay? As weird as we are, kids are weirder. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They I, I definitely saw a lot of it because I just had the spring break camp this week. I definitely saw a lot of them. They didn't build a stat block. They built a person. Yeah. And I'm like, okay. That's really great. I love your idea. Let me see if I can give you some stats to go with this because when we get into combat, 
you can't just roleplay your way through every combat. There are going to be sometimes you will have to fight and you're going to need those blocks. And they're like, okay. Yeah. Like, here's a quarter staff because you're a druid. Here's your quarter staff. These are your stats. And they're like, okay. So I really want to make a scarf. And I'm like, (laughs) well, that's okay. We're making scarves now. Sure. Let's make friendship bracelets while we're at it. Do you ever use the Earth Arcata for the kids or you keep them just to source books to keep it simple? So we have – with the one kid, I did offer him to play Venom, so mm-hmm. the Circle of Spores mm-hmm. Druid. But for the most part, we tell them they have to stick to the books that we have on hand um, just because we are trying to play unplugged and we don't want them you know, pulling out their phone every five seconds to reference the Unearthed Arcana. Right. Plus, we're not going to print out, you know, 30 copies for them all to have a chance to look at it. Yeah, there's a lot of material. Yeah, then we also have the extra layer that some, like, there's varying levels of experience. So we have some kids who come in and they've, they're like, I've heard of this thing called D&D. <laughs> How do you D&D? And you're like, oh, child. <laughs> they're like, I hear there are dice. <laughs> yes. Um, and then you have the kids all the way up to... You know, they're DMing. They have long-running campaigns that they've been running, and they're a little bit more experienced. But even still, we try to keep them to the the books that have been published only because it makes it easier for the newer kids coming in to follow along the process. And we tell them, you know, we have told them, there is this thing called Unearthed Arcana. Look it up in your free time. Don't mm-hmm. Please don't bring it to our program because we are not introducing that here. Yeah. We're trying to keep it as, you know... Open and friendly to everybody joining in who has access to the books that we have here. So it's kind of about accessibility as well. Yeah. yeah Mostly in the program. And we do, I'm, like I said, we do tell them, hey, there's this Unearthed Arcana. You should totally check it out. It sounds something like you would love, you know, to play in your home game or to use, you know, with your friends or whatever. But we can't have you just bringing in all this random mishmash because then kids are going to go, where did they get that really cool thing from? And we're like, oh. Can of worms, crack. <laughs> and this also sort of bring up like sort of a slippery slope argument for Unearthed Arcana because I know there's been times where we've read something we've said, uh, you know, official wizard's material only because then we have the books to verify it because Unearthed Arcana is not official. And then there's like the next step where it's like, well, I found this thing on the DMs Guild. And you're like, okay, well, if it's by someone who's like a recognized author who puts out a quality product, I can see that that would make sense for a game. Then they're like, hey, I found this on Reddit. And you're like, whoa, hold on. (laughs) (laughs) So I know sometimes it's either saying, no, we're just going to go with official stuff than Mm -hmm. trying to add this because it adds extra work for your DM to go review and and verify and and try to process what you're doing. Um, But some groups like that sort of like super homebrew, like organic we're just figured out as we go sort of process we have a show called rules as written we like things to be written be written (laughs) (laughs) we can't argue the words of something that isn't written yeah yes yeah so i think there's some of it is just like how your group plays right like what's Mm -hmm. the right fit sort of thing Mm -hmm. what do you do when there are drastic changes to the material you are using in a new version one of the things, like, well, we'll jump to Mystic briefly because between Orenthal and Serviceable Plots, we've now used two different versions of the Mystic class. But we decided to stop and, and change between the two the two campaigns. Well, and I was starting a new character with a diff- yeah. totally different build where I was like, forget the physical stuff. I'm just purely a brain with legs. I believe that's called Intellect Devourer. <laughs> uh, shh, don't reveal my final form. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, come on. This isn't even your final form. No, no, Not no. Even close. Uh, Mind no. player. I think I get Oh, you like- think that's all? No, no, She's no. going full illiterate. <laughs> oh, nice. No, I want to be an elder braid. Forget the legs. I could just be a giant braid. 
Yeah, but then you'd be made up of multiple brains. I don't know if you want that. I mean, do I control all of the brains in this scenario? You are all the brains. Yeah, that sounds all great. The brains I'm are on board. you, and you are them. Yeah, we are one. For we are. Oh wait, no, sorry, Brock. <laughs> <laughs> As you can see, we are very hyper focused. <laughs> yeah, I don't want to be a spore master, Tony. Gotcha, gotcha. Yes, but yeah, I think it, for this, it made sense starting fresh to start with the with the new newest version, but also for you to then make tweaks. So I kind of told you like, hey, here's the billies I'm looking at. And then I can go, let me look at these. Oh my gosh, this is completely broken for you. And this is broken against you. Let's start to I fix like, that. I like nerf them, Tony. Do it. I can take it. <laughs> <laughs> there were some things I was like, that would be really cool. But that is way too much for level five. So I think for us, the timing worked out for the mystic. So it was easy to decide what to do in a transition. The artificer I know is presenting some challenges for you and Nick because Leuven's already alive. <laughs> Leuven's alive. Leuven has the original artificer's build. Which part of it was, Nick, you and I both took a look at a new artificer, and it's a whole different beast. Yeah, and that really surprised me, because I do remember looking over the uh, revised ranger, and th- there's just there's just a quote from it that really stuck out to me in terms of what, what I understood as Wizards of the Coast philosophy on UA. The quote was, overall, this approach c- captures our intent. Fix what needs to be fixed when it's necessary to do so, but in a way that minimizes disruption and maximizes player satisfaction. The key words here being minimizes disruption. For there to be such a drastic change between the two Artificer versions, I'm just curious about what, what caused them to go that way. So I have a theory, and it's because of what's specifically mentioned in the latest Artificer one, and with their big push away from the Sword Coast and for the Forgotten Realms, I think the original Artificer was meant to be included a bit more into the Forgotten Realms, whereas the new build of the Artificer is definitely a push for Eberron. Ah. I think that's why there's a pull away from the sort of spell casting approach with, with potions that we've seen. Because they've got the, the Alchemist, which was definitely like very just potion heavy. It's a magic bag and a magic set of ingredients that you just pull and you use. Same thing with the gunsmith from the previous one where it's just like magic bag, magic gun. <laughs> Magic, 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 magic. Yo, dog, I heard you like magic. The <laughs> the new Artificer um, definitely has some magic for their magic. More spells, but it also has a much tighter focus on, like, I think the way that they talk about its spell casting is really... Did you happen to read that, Nick? How, like, it uses uh, its spell casting focus? Yeah, they have this little text block to explain thematically that when you're casting a spell, visually, it's like... You create a machine that that does X, like you you create a spider that goes up to someone and casts this spell versus just simply you cast the spell it. But but mechanically, it's exactly the same as any other class casting the spell. It's just they they really double down on the visual element of it. Well, and also it's from what I was saying, it's more of a technology integration, right? Like Mm -hmm. it's more you're more of a builder than a caster. In a sense, you build potions, you build tools and stuff. And I think uh, the one you were thinking of, Nick, like you use your tinker's tools to cast cure wounds, but visually, your tinker's tools create like this little mechanical spider that sews a wound close. Which is terrifying, huh. by the way. If yeah. I was dying, all of a sudden you're like, no, no, be cool. This spider, like a mechanical spider, rushes up to me and starts knitting my wound together. I will be freaked out. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's fair. I mean, I won't stop it, but it sounds horrifying. Yeah, so I think you're, you're right, Tony, the setting changed because Eberron is a very different world from the Forgotten Realms. We don't have to get too much into it, but there's definitely more technology, right? So oh, yeah. that's probably part of it. 
I think there's a much bigger focus on like magic technology integration in Emberon. I don't know Emberon super well, but I've been reading the source books, so from from three point <laughs> five, so I'm catching up slowly but steadily. It's very lore heavy, but it's interesting. It really comes down to is it a good fit for your character to make the change? Because it's a little tough, right? When they're already a person, they already have certain abilities. So how do you handle that, Nick? In your opinion. Well, it definitely is, is that kind of case by case basis where uh, you 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 take a look, your DM takes a look, and you have the discussion. For instance, I think kind of how this process has gone from what I can tell is I've I've looked at it, and overall, I think Tony, you and I kind of both agree that the the first version fits Leuven better than the second version. Yeah. A couple areas where, where I think this is the case in particular is the, the spell list. Part of what I mentioned, you know, that excited me about the first Artificer was that it, it felt so unique, like it was its own thing. But when I look at the spell list for the version two, on one hand, it's more uh, all around. Like it, it, it makes you stronger overall. You're able to do more things. But on the other, it, I don't know, it feels a little more like it, it's a hybrid of the wizard and cleric spell lists or something versus it is the artificer spell list. So you feel like it lost some of the flavor that, that you really drew you to it in the first place? Yeah, I would say so. And, and also for, from the alchemist ar- archetype perspective, the, the loss of the alchemical mixtures, the, the potions, um, like the healing draught or the uh, alchemical acid and fire, ha- having that be completely replaced mechanics-wise was, was a bit jarring. Now, I, I do think there was room for improvement on, on that mechanic. I, I think the addition of, for instance, maybe a few extra mixtures to choose from so that at the end you don't just have everything, but you can truly choose the ones that you like most might have been a good way to go with it. And that's not to say that everything about the about the change to version two I didn't like. For instance, I really enjoyed the um, the homunculus. Yes, the the alchemical homunculus, w- which visually could be like this this cute little vial that has wings and and does stuff for you and, and is like a familiar and also is really helpful in terms of action economy because it actually gives you a reliable thing to do with your bonus action each turn. For instance, so what what sort of things can it do? Just for those who haven't read it. It's different from a regular homunculus. It has a plus four perception, plus four stealth, but it has this acid spittle. Spittle? So it can actually attack and Yum. spit at people at a range of 30 feet. I like that it's called spittle, not like acid splash sounds like you're throwing acid. Acid spittle means you're literally just got too much saliva and you're just like, like, <laughs> flicking, flicking gross little bits of acid moisture on people. Yeah, basically. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> gross. <laughs> And it kind of seems like it's replaced the um, mechanical servant base class feature. And there's, you know, an equivalent thing also on the, uh, what is it called now? The gunsmith archetype. Mm -hmm. Which is the artillerist now. Right. Artillerist. So we have these kind of two more archetype specific things now replacing this base class feat thing, which I like better than the original because the original, I don't know, to me, it doesn't scale with level, the mechanical servant that you create, you have to spend time and money to recreate it if it's destroyed. And thematically, I would say that it forces your artificer to be a tinker type, no matter what, which some artificers might do more and some might do less. And it it also might kind of tread on the ground a bit on classes who can either have an animal companion or can beast shape. You mean for having a, a companion that you can control in battle? Yeah, that is a beast type in particular. So, you know, on one hand, th- there could be an argument made that it uh, you could talk with your DM and see if they, they're okay with picking and choosing certain things from both versions and creating this hybrid. But on the other hand, and I think this might be your concern, Tony, that creates real balance issues and, and can add a lot of complexity to the situation. Yeah. 
The Irish Arcana, we've seen some is more balanced than others. It varies. Sometimes I think they're just like, here's some ideas, and they just sort of toss it out there, and they're not too worried about game balance because it's playtest material. Yeah, see what sticks at the wall. Right, there's an element of that, like we kind of mentioned with the Mystic, where we're like, yeah, this is super broken. So that kind of is already a Kubota of Arcana, but yeah, picking and choosing that kind of leads to the situation where you're really homebrewing just with elements from Unearthed Arcana. So it's more more work for sure but if it gets you to where you want to go and your group's comfortable with it i don't think it's a problem this artificer is definitely much being built more like the paladin paladin <laughs> rachel's like tell me more <laughs> you have access to all of your spells and your spell list you just need to prepare them so you have the paladin the druid all of that you have access to all of them which is an odd thing for an int based class to me because their powers aren't granted to them the way that a cleric a paladin a druid are so it's it's just a weird concept to me that like you can just switch these out and it's supposed to be a little bit like you're just so smart and know magic so well that you can just switch it because you can do it with cantrips at later levels too. What? <laughs> yeah. So I know our friend Jackie Death by Mage wrote an article where he really did a breakdown talking about the new version. We'll have a link to that uh, if you want to read it. He mm-hmm. did a good job also talking about where he thinks like the influences are coming from in this particular version, which is interesting. So I think there's no one answer, but overall, I think when I read the new class, I was like, oh, if Luvin takes this, he's going to be different. Like it doesn't change his personality, but you know, I, I like him with it. Different. Yeah, and I know that's yeah. part of who he is, right? That's that's a mm-hmm. factor as well. The fact that you can sh- can kind of forget and remember cantrips at will is kind of interesting, too, in, in the new Artificer. Mm-hmm. At level 10? Sounds right. I think right. you can start to switch them out. Storyline-wise, I'm just curious, uh, Tony, how, how do you think one would incorporate that into an actual plot reason for, for why that was done? So at 10th level, you gain the ability to make sure you have the right magical tool for a job. Whenever you finish a short or long rest, you can replace one of the Artificer cantrips you know with another cantrip from the Artificer spell list. So the idea of the Artificer is that they're just, they're constantly looking for new lore. They're constantly driven to uh, understand magic. So it's not so much that they're necessarily forgetting one. They're tweaking the magic that they have in order to utilize a new ability. So they're like, well, it's requiring so much energy for me to be able to do this dancing lights. I don't really need that anymore. Instead, I want to get a spare the dying. So having them take time to understand how to spare the dying work and slowly like push out the magic that they use for dancing lights in order to shift the focus. They're essentially preparing cantrips. They're switching which ones they're focusing on that They can day. only switch one at a time, though, per yeah. rest. Yeah, but in a sense. But um, it's still the same kind of idea. Like, you know all of these, but you are only focusing on these two, or right. you only have these prepared. You're the big difference, though, is the Artificer is not granted these spells as other classes who have access to all their spells usually would. A cleric prays for the spells that they want prepared. So does a paladin. Um, a druid, like communes with nature and is like give me what i need trees love me (laughs) i will be your friend (laughs) a wizard meanwhile has to memorize spells an artificer doesn't sound like they just memorize the spells it's like i feel like i need these magics with me today (laughs) boom i'm done (laughs) i understand it so basically an artificer is, is grocery shopping and they have a basket and only so much can fit in the basket. So yeah. they have to put stuff back on the shelf. Yeah, they realize when they got to check out, they're like, darn it, I don't have enough money for all this. What do I need to pick? And 
All right, that's my headcanon so, now. Yeah, sort of, sort of a, a magical economy uh, internally. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But going back to the overarching, I guess, question for Leuven specifically about version one versus version two artificer um, in, in a binary choice between the two, I definitely, I think Tony and I have come to an agreement that version one suits him better. But it really is, again, that case by case of talking with your DM and thinking about your character as they currently exist or as you're planning them. I 100% agree. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. I keep looking at the the new one. I'm like, the new one is actually like really cool and really powerful, but you lose so much of what made like Leuven a more unique character. Yeah. I think because for one thing, you you have spells, but your your biggest thing, your potions, which has been such a big part of Leuven's mechanical aspects uh, to him in, in the games, would all be gone. You can still make potions, but you don't have that same type of like hey, I'm about to pull a flask of uh, alchemical fire and hurl it at these guys. Yeah. 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 It, it, it's it's a really cool element that I just enjoy a lot. And I know, you know, RP-wise, we've also collaborated on ways that Leuven can work toward making limited quantities of, of that in other elements as well as a way to mm-hmm. ex- expand the repertoire that way. And there's a sense of progression there that I really enjoy. I think removing the potions only had kind of one advantage. So... I don't remember which Rumble Squad episode this was, but the one where we were in Ascentheos at like the the party um, and did the knife throwing game for the first time. Oh, when you guys had had a party, what carousing? That was uh, like episode four, I believe. I I think there was a moment where suspension of disbelief might have been affected a little bit just because it was like, well... What what do you mean you can't hit all your targets uh, with these knives? You always you always um, aim pretty well with your uh, your potions when you throw them because it's a saving throws, not attack rolls. Mechanically speaking, yeah, yeah. But is it player? Uh, the players know mechanics. The characters don't. They just like yeah. sometimes things work and sometimes they don't. I don't know why. I don't know. <laughs> what a mystery. <laughs> I'm just lucky the or unlucky. Yeah, it's all the fates. <laughs> The fates. All right. Yeah. That's something I try to keep in mind because I know we know what our roles are or if we have saving throws, but the the characters don't. They're just doing the best they can. Well, I was going to say, I also feel like the actual bag that you pull these from is a magical bag. So I feel like you are magically guided whenever you throw the potions. A knife is a knife. Unless it's a magic oh, not really knife. magically guided Unless to throw the knife. knife. <laughs> I'm stealing that. I'm stealing that. Yes. It's like how magic missile has auto-targeting. All it right. just... It's it's your uh, heat seeking spell. Yeah, it's the answer to many D and D questions. You're like, but why? Because magic. magic, okay? Because magic, <laughs> magic. <laughs> magic reasons. Yep. Magic. I have used that with the kids when they're like, but why? I'm like, magic. That's why. And they're oh. like, but but yep. I'm like, yep. magic. Just move on. It's D and D world. It's D and D logic. <laughs> magic. Infinity is to the infinitieth power. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, no, magic no. is everywhere. It suffuses the entire world. It does literally anything and everything except for what it doesn't, okay? So part of the reason we've used an Arcana is because of the expand. Like, I feel like sometimes the classes that we have and the official material doesn't capture exactly what we want from a character. And one of the benefits of Unearthed Arcana is that it provides us with not only just more options, but sometimes you find, ex- like, just what you want. So, like... For Nick, with you in the Artificer, you had exactly what you were looking for the, for this character that wanted to go out. Bethany, for you in the Mystic, that you had your Emma Frost. Yeah. And even for a brief bit, Rachel, you had your uh, female Venom. <laughs> yep. And also Kalima, when Rachel And playing. also Kalima. Yeah. As this kind of hardened soldier, but also a healer. 
mm-hmm. a bitter healer. <laughs> bitter healer. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> they fine because it's my job, <laughs> and the way of the grave is perfect for that. Yep. Yeah. I like some of them. I mean, again, it's some really, really. You're like, oh, this is awesome. Could use some tweaking, but it's really, really great. But then there's others where you're like, mm, it's a cool class, but it's not for me. Yeah, I think Unearthed Arcana overall is a force for good in D&D. There's a sense of risk about it. Like things are thrown at a wall and some things stick, some do not. But I think that ability to look beyond and to expand your imagination through these things that Wizards comes up with is just really positive. And, you know, just have a discussion with your DM, see what's right for you. I agree. At bare minimum, I think it's great reference material that's freely available online. You can download the PDFs and review them at your leisure. And I think, yeah, it's mostly about having that conversation if you're going to use something and, and being willing to make adjustments as mm-hmm. as you go. But uh, yeah, I'm glad we got to talk about this. And I'm sure we'll have more things to talk yeah. about with the Arcana down the road because it's something oh, we yeah. enjoy integrating in our D&D raw because, you know, we also hike sort of unfinished material and adjusting it as we go. (laughs) Well, Nick, I know we might know the answer to this, but how did you get into tabletop role-playing games? About four or five years ago, I think uh, Will Wheaton's tabletop show on YouTube suddenly made me realize that D&D was the mix of two of my great loves. Sounds dramatic, I know. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) at least, yeah, a little dramatic. That's okay. We like drama. (laughs) (laughs) That's why we play (laughs) D&D. It's true. You're not wrong. Yeah. Lately, we are an audio drama style podcast. Right, yeah, yeah, go that direction. Um, yeah. Long ago, I used to participate in some role playing forums, and I loved the collaborative aspect of the storytelling. And then from a more crunchy standpoint, I've also enjoyed strategy RPG video games like Fire Emblem, Final Fantasy Tactics, and XCOM. So I just one day decided to jump into a play by post D&D forum and try it out. What's the worst that could happen? And the campaign died in like a week. Oh, <laughs> but then not long after, you know, Bethany, the, the rest is history. After I heard you talking about your uh, Princes of the, of the Apocalypse campaign, I joined the group and then eventually this podcast happened. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. yeah it just kind of was a, a natural progression. I don't think it was like a it was just an evolution, you know, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah. It just organically occurred. Like a Pokemon evolution. Yeah, either that or I'm some sort of diabolical mastermind who's been pulling all of the puppet strings all these years. Yes, join my campaign so we may podcast together. <laughs> everyone, everyone, she's not joking. What? Yeah. Could be a scenario. Like, why, why one or the other? Why limit oh, ourselves? It's a combination. It just sort of happened. It made sense, basically. Yeah, it started from a place of we're all just doing this for fun and and want to want to explore D and D and see if it's for us, and it really worked out. Well, if you go back far enough, Rachel got us into D and D, so it's really Rachel yeah. who started everything <laughs> with that shady. Hey, let me tell you about this game I play, <laughs> and we're like, okay. I don't know how to DM, but here's some Star Wars sheets that I, have. I was about to say. That's what it was. You said Star Wars, and, and we're, we're like, like we're I'll interested. go on, yeah, yeah. go on. <laughs> Tell me more. It was like shady, like opening my trench coat. Want to play a game? <laughs> I, I get to be a Jedi, yes. Yes. <laughs> okay. And Rachel's like, no, too many people are Jedi. Stop trying to be a Jedi. <laughs> but force powers. But they're not as good as like blowing everything up with like grenades. Yeah. Why be a Jedi when you can have explosives is what your argument is. Yeah. <laughs> so Nick, jumping into the next question here. What's your favorite tabletop role playing system to play? Well, D&D 5e is the one I've explored the most by far. Mm-hmm. Good answer. <laughs> I really love it. So I, I feel like I got to say that, especially as a member of this cast. <laughs> good choice. Good choice. Oh, I think 
I mean, there's no pressure. Yeah. I promise everyone, we're not pressuring Nick. Ignore the knife in his side. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, what's your favorite system? D D. <laughs> All right, I will say this. I also really enjoyed Inspectors back when Rachel was running it. Um, oh, jeez. Yeah, re- remember inspectors. that? Oh man. Um, actually, DMing that once, I. Uh, was really fun too. And there's a couple I want to try too. Again, thank you, Will Wheaton. Dread and Fate Core. So yes. we have Gen Con coming up later this yep. year. You We're will playing have Dread, all- Nick. We're going to find a way to play uh, Dread. Jackie said he'll run a game. Sorry. Yeah, Th- I'll jump in. That's Jackie, Death by Mage, <laughs> who has been on our show before. And I'm coming along, so I'm really looking forward to that. Yeah. So this could be a different answer Woo. down the road, is, is what we're hearing. Like, D&D, yeah, for now. <laughs> I'm sure when I go to Gen Con, I'll, I'll, I'll come back and having purchased, uh, you know, 96 new tabletop RPGs after saying that I would <laughs> no, only no, spend no. $50. No, no, no. You can only fit, like, 30 in your bag, let's be honest. Yeah, I, uh. that's why we limited ourselves. I was like, Tony, I am not paying to check a bag, so. <laughs> if we don't check a bag, we're not. Not coming back with the 30 plus games. It got close, by the way. <laughs> like, on our yeah. stuff, I was like, we are maxed out. But yeah, I will. we should mention also that we're going to Gen Con. So if you, we're going to Gen if Con. you are also going to Gen Con, feel free to send us an email or uh, you know message us on Discord because we are cool to meet up with people. Especially yeah. at places where there are food or games. Food. <laughs> we like both of those things. Ideally, both? <laughs> yep. But yeah, super psyched for Gen Con this year. Yay. Mm-hmm. Woo. So final question. Do you have a favorite memory or moment you are most proud of in role-playing? So, thinking back to how others have answered this question, I believe you allow for a couple different instances. We will. (laughs) Bethany will allow it. I'll allow it, Nick. (laughs) (laughs) All right. And and I will say this, all the ones that I've thought of for this, they all share a similar overarching theme. Oh, a theme dancer. Okay. Do we we get to guess the theme or do you tell us the theme ahead of time? Is it a game? Can I win? I want to guess. Can I I guess? (laughs) All right. uh, Animal, mineral, or vegetable? Well, yeah. Yeah. (laughs) 20 questions. All right. I'm ready, Nick. Hit it. (laughs) All right. So this is a, a spoiler from the first fight that we had in Rumble Squad. Just a heads up, people. Episode two. Yeah, so toward the end of the fight, uh, one of our party members was was down and had two failed death saves, and uh, I was the only person left to be able to act, really, before they had to roll again. Uh, well, I, sh- I guess I should preface and say, as an Artificer first version, I have access to healing draughts that I, I can use, but I was still learning how to handle the range question because it's kind of like an artificer supposed to be mid-range anyway long story short i was too far away to run up and just administer the potion in one turn so i asked well well tony could could i administer it from range um and 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 i'm I'm going to get as close as i can to do this but this was a communication failure ultimately because what i what i did not fully say i was trying to say it but I, i don't think it came out this way was I want to splash the potion. Can I do that? So Tony's interpretation as DM. Well, I heard in my understanding was, can I hurl the vial at her? <laughs> That's what I heard. To be fair, <laughs> which uh, yeah, my uh, I guess ran a risk of doing more damage and actually killing her instead of uh, uh, doing the desired effect, which was stopping her from the killsies. <laughs> so um, uh, yeah, I I rolled well. It worked out. Everything was okay. I'm probably never going to do that again unless I have to. But <laughs> Under penalty um, of Elaine beating the pulp out of you? Yeah. <laughs> she definitely didn't threaten that. All in the next episode. Here's my second one. Epic Endings. Keldwin. First Adventure. Mm-hmm. 
So Rachel, the uh, the giant pink bunny incident. Yeah, yeah that, that giant pink bunny incident. <laughs> we all we all are aware of the giant pink bunny incident, but I don't think the listeners are unless they've listened to Epic Endings. So, <laughs> so it was an adventure where we were in the Yawning Portal Under Mountain, and I come across this room that has this weird mist in it, and you know I, I try and test it out. Um, see. I'm playing a life cleric, by the way, and I had a spell guard shield equipped, meaning that I could have rolled with advantage on my save against this, which would have been really helpful because I rolled so poorly. Long story short, I got true polymorphed permanently into a giant pink bunny, and it was only through Rachel's uh, DM kindness that I was able to work my way out of that. Yeah, after after torturing me for a bit, making me hop around the undermountain and possibly die, but... You know, DMs get to have their fun. And actually, uh, this came up when we were discussing True Polymorph in a previous Rules is Written episode. So, Oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh. <laughs> so, yeah, call back to our episode on the errata if you want to hear us dissect literally the wording of True Polymorph. <laughs> so you were in the form of a giant pig buddy. Yeah, and, and ultimately the, the, the solution here was because, you know, the Epic Endings concept is that we're all playing level 20 adventures who are coming back out of retirement that... All right, well, probably someone in my past is a high, high enough level wizard to to have true polymorph to change me back. And the, the story consequence that we came to here was that, you know, they knew me from back when I was an earlier level. And there was a role for how early that was. And it ended up being level 17. So this wizard was able to change me back to how he knew me at level 17. Do you want to guess the theme or do I just come out and say it? Is it that you like when things go awry and you have to adapt? <laughs> yeah, it, it, it's, especially when, you know, an error as a player causes a great story moment. <laughs> yeah, I think that there's a lot to be said for that. So, like, you know, that's part of the beauty of, of tabletop RPGs, right? Like, not everything is set in stone. Some things that no one could possibly have planned for will happen. <laughs> Yeah, that's definitely not a theme as I'm looking over my notes and going, oh my gosh, what are you guys doing? (laughs) So what you're saying is our podcast is definitely not scripted. No. (laughs) Poor Tony. I I can show my notes to prove it. Tony's like- As I scramble and think of- how would they react to this utter insanity that is happening right now? I need to figure out some NPC motivations real quick. Hold on. Yeah. Yeah, don't worry. It all works itself out. One thing leads to another story moment, leads to another story moment. And, uh, you know, it just, it's a collaborative process, right? Yeah. Yeah, a way it's like those old choose your own adventure books, you know, like, do you pick this one or this one? Except for, if, I don't know if you remember those books, they're very morbid. You die most of the time. Yep. You die a lot. <laughs> like nine out of ten ones were death. <laughs> yeah. And, like the one where you totally avoid, like, all the conflict, it looks down on you for, by the way. How dare you avoid potentially dying at a bunch of these opportunities? They're like, wow, way to be super boring. And you're like, yeah. You just left. Fine. I made good life choices. Yeah, I made good choices. <laughs> I didn't pick up the rusty razor. <laughs> yeah, those books maybe influenced all of us too much <laughs> into our adulthood. But, anyways, so I think those are good memories. Those are good good ones to share. And I like the you themed your answers. I approve. I allowed Thank it for you. a reason. Yeah. <laughs> I <allowed it> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> I would hate for anyone to be this like the first episode they listen to, and they're like, "Wow, Bethany's really obnoxious." No, I'm okay. Yes, but these are callbacks to previous obnoxious behavior. (laughs) (laughs) Just saying. No, no, no. It's not just right now. It's all the time. Wait, start it. Wait. (laughs) (laughs) Open mouth. Insert. (laughs) 
thank you all for inviting me on. Yeah, yeah thanks yeah, for, thank for, for joining us. us on this. Yeah, I hope you'll join us again. I know you have some ideas for other topics. Yes. I do. <laughs> so you will see Nick again. <laughs> yes. Dun, dun, dun. You will hear Nick again. 